0: Praise the Lord, and listen, I am excited, and once again, this is a, a pleasure and an honor to be able to share the word with you uh, uh, once again. I Listen, I love your chief pastor, and uh, uh, <laughs> he's been a blessing to me in my life. Can we give the Lord a hand cup of praise for Pastor Dave? Just amazing. I appreciate you so much. Um, and my wife is here with me. I don't know where she is right now. She's somewhere on campus. About, listen, about two years ago, my wife became involved in Kids Men. I didn't know. We've been married for 25 years. I've been in love with her since I was 13 years old. And just discovered her gifting and her calling with with children and kids ministry. And so chances are she's somewhere on this this campus in kids' men doing something. And uh, by give God thanks, I was able to kidnap her for the weekend. And she came up with me. And so I'm so grateful uh, that she's with me today. Uh, If it's all right with you, can you bow your heads and jump right into this word? I'm excited to share this with you that you are you're just here with us i know you are omnipresent but you choose where to dwell and lord just being able to worship you in this place with my family with my brothers and sisters in christ it's truly a wonderful thing god have your way lord i'm i'm i can't do this uh without you i don't have the skill to share your word lord without your holy spirit's help and leading and revelation and so do what you do best we invite your kingdom to invade our kingdom right now lord invade our priorities and invade what we think but god let your will be done on earth as it's already done and accomplished in heaven today hit the bullseye and we thank you lord in jesus name amen my text that I'll be reading from is taken from 2 Peter chapter 1, and I'll be reading from verses 1 through 8, and this is what it says. It says, this letter is from Simon Peter, a slave, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith, and that word faith, I underlined it in scripture. We have this faith, I underlined it again, was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Here's this key verse, verse 3 it says, By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for a living. A Godly life can someone say amen Amen. by his divine power right by his divine power he's given us everything we need to get this job done and so we've received all of this by coming to know him the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence and because of his glory and excellence he has given us great and precious promises These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Here's the center of what I'll be sharing with you today, verses 5 through 8. Listen to this. He says, in view of all this, knowing that God has given us everything we need to win, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises, supplement your faith. So I underlined it again supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self control, and self control with patient endurance, patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The title of my sermon, real quickly, is called The After Effect of Faith. As I read this scripture, one of the things that just jumped out at me was the idea and the possibility of you and I being believers, but not being productive or effective. Very very difficult thing to see if there's anyone on the face of this planet that should be productive and effective. It should be those whom God has already stated and promised that I'm giving you everything you need to win. When we read that scripture, understand that it's not within our own selves or in our own strengths for us to actually win. God says you don't have what it takes. I'm already giving you what it takes. And not only that, he's our biggest cheerleader when he does that. And so there's couple of things I want to say. The first thing is the anatomy of faith. I couldn't, I mean, listen, I'm honestly telling you that even though I've been ministering for over 25 years, it's only recently because, if I could be real with you, pain and, and experiencing uh, difficulties where I'm understanding the true definition of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, this is what we usually stand on as the biblical definition of faith. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things not seen, right? This two is it's a two-pronged approach to the definition. It is the substance of things hoped for. That word substance in Greek is hypostasis, and what it means is it is the substructure, it is the foundation of what your hope stands on it's what keeps your hope up faith is now faith is the substance or the substructure of what you hope what I didn't realize was that's why the enemy is so invested in making sure that you lose hope He is invested in making sure that you don't ever dream anymore because it's possible for you to know the word but not want to dream anymore. It's possible for you and I to have our hearts crushed. It's possible for you and I to experience such pain and loss that even though we can quote scripture word for word, we don't even wanna engage to try to believe anymore. Why? Because faith in and of itself is the foundation of your ability to hope. It is easier for the enemy to attack your hope than it is your faith because faith comes by hearing the word of God. He can't mess with the word of God. He can't touch the word of God. But oh my gosh, you and I can experience in such pain that we never want to dream again. I speak this because I know it. I've experienced it. I love God but there's been moments in my life where I've been crushed and I know what it feels like to try to crawl to pray but you're too there's too much emotion. There's too much sobbing and there's a part of you that's tempted to give up. See? And I know what that feels like because my hope in terms of faith Rests on that. But here's what it gets interesting: faith and hope sometimes can be used interchangeably, and we don't even realize it because according to merriam Webster in the dictionary, hope is the desire accompanied by expectation. It's a desire accompanied by expectation. So you know you're, you're, you're believing that something is going to happen. However, the second part of the definition found in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 it says hope is also the evidence of something that's not seen yet that word evidence in greek is elekhos and it actually is the result the result of an experiment that is now seen as fact it's been tested it's been proven and this is what it is the bible says Faith is the foundation of what you hope for, and it is the actual fact and evidence, the proven fact of something you haven't seen yet. In essence, faith is hope that you haven't seen yet, but your actions still move because it's true. There's a difference between operating in hope and operating in faith. I said I will not Talk about the Jets until late November. (laughs) I heard everything in the off season and I was getting all, ah, and and everyone, how about the Jets? How about, I had to get a text for your pastor, Uh, the Jets, I said, listen, I'm not saying a thing until after Thanksgiving. But I couldn't help it. I kept seeing, I saw him in pre-surgent, I saw a throw that, that Aaron threw across the body far, I said, ah. I said, I kept trying, I kept trying to, and then, let me, the first game, let me tell you, forget what I said before, we were hype in my house. Typically, I'm the only one that's, no, but man, I had every, every, we all stood up. It was this pleasure, at least, hand on out just like this, saying like this. I saw Aaron come out with the American flag, I said, yes, yes, and my kid, my wife was there, my son was there, my daughter was there, and we were there, and the first play, yes, second play, what's going on? Third play, ah, fourth play. I want you to know, I thought, I had faith that we were going to make it to the Super Bowl. After the fourth play, I recognized, I was not operating in faith, I was operating in hope. Because now my body was responding to the fact, that we don't stand a chance. (laughs) Faith is actually your dreams and your hopes being real to you without any evidence. In fact, I didn't say this in the first service, but let me just say it here. I've spent so much of my life trying to prove to people my faith when the actual definition of faith is having no proof. They will look at you like you're crazy and then you're trying to prove it to them. But the definition is there's no physical proof except what he says. And your body responds to that because you know it to be true even though you have no elekos. See, isn't it amazing? See, that's the anatomy of faith. And it was important for us to understand that because Peter now Builds on top of that. Because from the anatomy of faith, he now suggests, he actually gives us understanding of adding to your faith. I thought all we needed was faith. But in verse 5, scripture says, supplement your faith with a generous provision. And then he gives us seven ingredients of what we ought to now add on top of this faith. And when, when I read this list, the way it's spoken, the way it's expressed, it's almost like as if there's a sequence of adding that needs to take place. It's almost like we have faith, but now I need you to add to this faith, add to this believing of having hopes without any type of evidence, but knowing that there's evidence because God add to that whole understanding, and He Moral, moral excellence. And what's important about this first ingredient is by definition, what it means is to expect excellence, to go against your nature of mediocrity. It actually means the virtue. It is the promotion of the best or of the highest quality. In other words, it's a recognition that you and I, just being in a relationship with God, he is already expecting a standard that's high. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? We do live now in a a society, we live in a season where everyone is doing everything in their power to bring the standards down. But biblically speaking, just because you have faith, God is already expecting you and I to have what? A high standard. Before he talks about holiness, before he even brings up knowledge, he says, understand, add to your faith, your ability to believe what God says to you, moral excellence. Because the truth is, you and I could never reach God's standard. It's all right. We need him just to make it there so it's not our business to bring it down. Moral excellence is the first thing. And then he goes, when you add to this concept of faith, the fact that my standard is high, it's here for a reason, he says, now add to that knowledge. gnosis. Add to that getting information. When When you're hearing a sermon, when you're doing your Bible study, when you're seeking God, when you're praying, he's actually depositing information to you, divine information. Please understand, we have to embrace moral excellence so that we don't try to water down the information. Does that make sense to anybody here? So he says, add to the fact that the standard is already high. Add to the fact that you can't make it, you can't reach that standard without me, and understand I'm gonna start giving you information. I'm gonna start depositing things, and now, wow, what's gonna happen next? Add to that self control. Because now that you receive this information, you know that there's a standard I'm expecting from you, and how you ought to add to that now self control. I'll never forget when I, I went to Bible college. Right, I got saved, and it's, please don't judge me. Uh, both my parents are Pentecostal pastors, but I'm I'm the middle child, so we have the middle child situation there. But on top of that, I was you know I was more a uh, uh, nation of Islam, black Muslim, and uh, my mouth. I had very very bad language. I mean, it was a gift <laughs> to interweave the adjectives like an artist. It was artistry. And I wish I can tell you that my temp, my, 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 you know, what, what God did for me in terms of my testimony was that I got saved and all of these words disappeared. But that is not the testimony. I've heard people say, hold oh, no, on, no, that, that's not me. When I got saved, listen, them adjectives are still there. And I was in Bible college and every time we played basketball, There'd be a hard foul somewhere, and there it is. And I'm like, oh, and my brother, I was a freshman. My brother was was a senior at North Point Bible College, and he looked crass. I'm like, my bad. My bad. That's my bad. My bad. And the entire year, the entire year, things would slip out. I'm like, ah, I messed up. But then by the end of the year, I'd play a game, and guess what? Not one cuss word. I said, well, look at that, God. Yeah, look at that. We, we we getting better. We are getting better. And, and I'm thinking we're gonna we gonna have a party now. The Holy Spirit and I'm I'm happy. And then the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit starts working on me. He said, Well, you know, I'm, I'm, you know that's good. But 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 you you do still say words that aren't nice. I'm like because see his standards are still high. The fact that I'm not cussing that's great but I'm letting you know, his moral excellence is still here. And so he was, I'll say things like stupid, and he's like, wait, you shouldn't be saying that. i was like, but, but, but at least I'm not cussing, well, that's good. But... And so there was, there was still a moral excellence in terms of my language. And so by the time my second year and my third year finish, I'm getting ready to graduate. I'm like, listen, I done cleaned up. Lord, you did a good job because I couldn't do it on my own. I'm ready to throw myself a party. Everything is good. And then I'm on the Belt Parkway, Belt Parkway in Brooklyn, Queens, and someone tried to cut me off. And I'm, hmm, I don't cuss, but Lord, the artistry is going well in my brain. I'm like, hmm, 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 And out my mouth would come, God bless you. Bless you, brother, hmm, hmm. And then the Lord would be like, hmm, hmm, And I'd be like, but I didn't say it, I, didn't, I never cussed. He said, but you thought it. I said, but come because his moral excellence is still there. You see, and so even though the moral excellence, and I'm receiving knowledge that even my thoughts ought to be pure, now I'm understanding. So there's self control that's taken, adding to my faith, adding to my faith. Which brings me to this next word patient endurance. I kept thinking, patient was like, it's okay. No, yeah, we'll make it. The word in, in Greek, patient endurance, actually means to, to remain, to not quit to not give up. I cannot tell you how many times I felt like a loser just trying to serve God. The more I would learn about what his higher standard is, the more I realized maybe this is the wrong thing for me. (laughs) It it was good for my dad, good for my brothers, but perhaps I'm supposed to do something else. But yet here comes the Spirit of God still cheering me on and, and, and blessing me and says, I've given you everything you need to win. So don't give up some of us are in this room right now we're sick and tired of messing up we like maybe this i'm here to remind you that god has chosen you and he's speaking into your life and he's hearing you on and he's saying don't you ever dear give up the bible lets me know that a righteous man will fall see the definition of holiness for me back in the day was righteous people don't fall But that's not what the word of God says. The word of God says a righteous man will fall seven times, but get back up. And so the definition of holiness is not falling. The definition of holiness is getting back up up it doesn't matter how many times you fall as long as you get back up first john 1 9 says if you confess your sins he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness the only way you and i lose is when we don't give up the only way we lose is if we give up isn't that something i'm like and he's cheering us on Get up, get up. I know I feel like a loser, but he says, add to your faith. Add to the ability to dream. Add to your ability to hear my promises. The fact that you won't stop, you won't give up. Does that make sense to anybody, right? Like that blesses me. I can't tell you how many times I feel like a, fa- a failure. And so with that, he says, now add to that. And if, if you're like me, and I'll be honest, my love for the Lord is really initiated by his grace and his love for me. I'm being honest with you. And a lot of that comes from this idea or understanding that I'm already messed up and he's doing an incredible work in my life. The gospel is we're all messed up and God sent his son to fix things. That's the gospel. And so, When I embrace that, I add to my faith godliness. Now, the scripture says godliness, and that's, if I can be honest with you, that's, that's, wow, that's a lot. That's intimidating. But what it actually means is to worship well, to approach the things of God with reverence, to not treat the presence of God as common. And it's, it is emotional for me because when I think of what he has already done in my life and what I've witnessed in terms of my own personal transformation, when I come before him, I, I just want to make this moment special because he means that to me. I, I wouldn't understand it unless I already understood Moral excellence. It wouldn't make any sense to me until I received information of who I am and who he is. It wouldn't make any sense to me unless I was engaging and actually doing what he's telling me to know And even when I mess up, even when I fall to experience him saying, come on, son, get back up. Let's get to it. I can't help but worship him. You can't shut me up when it's time to give myself to the Lord in terms of worship because he, is, he, 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 he deserves it all. One of the craziest things that's ever happened to me and I got convicted. I make no qualms about being a Jets fan. I love the Jets. As bad as things has been. I still go to MetLife with a Jet jersey, and let me tell you, we went there a couple of years back, and Rex Ryan was the head coach of Buffalo, and it was Buffalo versus Jets, and the the Mafia showed up, and they were just yelling at us, and this, this is our home turf, but sometimes it feels like it's their home turf, there's so many of them, and they were yelling, and let me tell you, we were losing, and then we came back, and, and Fitzpatrick threw, threw a pass, and then I was like, yeah, it was a touchdown, When I tell you, I was screaming, my hands were up, yes, I started getting dizzy. (laughs) I started getting dizzy. Beer was splashing all over the place. Dude was like, yes, I was hugging people I didn't know, yes, I was getting lightheaded. I said, oh, my God, I'm going to faint, I'm going to faint. When things calmed down, I was like, yes, yes, we tied it. And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, how come you don't worship me like that? Like, when was the last time I was worshiping in such a way that I was about to lose consciousness? When was the last time I was worshiping in such a way that I'm about to lose my voice and I don't care who's watching me? I don't care who's... The- I'm like, when did that ever happen? Do you know we lost the game still? <laughs> like, we lost the game. There's nothing worse than leaving at Life Stadium with Bulls fans yelling at you, ah! Like gave everything I had and we still lost and God never loses he never loses and yet for some strange reason my worship still is different see and so he says with my knowledge and with my understanding and under-, he says add to your faith the ability to worship well here's the last tune then, then, then I'll close he, he says when you understand the importance of worship he says, add to that brotherly affection. We call that phileo love, right? And what that is, is important because when you establish this incredible relationship with the Lord, brotherly affection means giving genuine affection to the people that you know. Like family that you know, friends that you know. And if you're like me, how many of y'all know there's some family Jesus, have mercy, Lord. There's some people, there's some some family members, we need to ask God for help and to pray to love on them. And it's interesting because this is added onto your faith after you recognize the standard that God sets After you receive information and knowledge of what he desires of you, after you go through the trial and error of succeeding sometimes and failing sometimes and experiencing his love and to come back and you get back up, now he says, Now, with everything that you're learning, love those who you see, love those who you know, and begin to operate in faith, loving those who you know. Some of the deepest wounds I've ever received was when I I get hurt by people that should not hurt me. Some of the deepest wounds, whether it's my physical family or my spiritual family, is people who should protect me, people who should love me. And I'm disappointed. I'm hurt. It's deep. And yet, Scripture tells me that I need to add to my faith the ability to love those who I know, to trust him enough without even seeing the physical evidence that by me obeying to love even those who seem unlovable towards me, that God will work it out. It takes faith to do that. And I'm adding to my faith the willingness to do that. Why? Because when that becomes normal to me, He says, now add to that agape love, an unconditional love, or genuine affection for the people you don't know. You see? It's weird because Peter says this in in verse 8. He says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be. In your knowledge that word that word useful it's 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 a greek word and it's ergon and it means sometimes it's translated as work but what it actually means is to be entrepreneurial to have a business sense to embrace principles that will produce good business jesus said it this way he says you are the light of the world A city on a hill cannot be hidden. No one takes their light and puts it under a basket. No, you let that shine. So let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works. So that they can see that you are useful and glorify our Father in heaven. There's a reason why God leads us down this path of adding to our faith. Does it really make sense to love a terrorist when you're still not speaking to your mom? Does it make sense to say, yes, we need to save the people in China where you can care less about the people in your neighborhood? The word of God challenges us. He says, how can you love a God that you have not seen when you don't love the people that you do see? I'm not saying this happens overnight, but perhaps like me, you're discovering that maybe it's because you're dropping the standard and it's not moral excellence. Or maybe you're pushing back on the knowledge that he's giving. Or maybe you're losing hope and believing that God has called you to do this and he is working in you. And maybe you failed and you just don't want to get back up, but I'm here to let you know that he loves you. And he sees the impossibilities in your life to the point where you and I would be able to love those who don't even want to be loved. It's being good for business. It's the after effect of faith. Amen. Let me pray with you real quick. Father, thank you God for this opportunity to share this with my friends with my family. Lord, thank you for the journey that you have us on as we continue to trust in you by faith and add to our faith what your word is telling us so that we can be effective and productive to be your light, to be your salt on this earth. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.